This is the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where every week we unpack the big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. This week, we talk matters immigration, more specifically, the activities of a group calling itself Operation Dudula, which has been campaigning against what it calls illegal foreign traders and the, and the employment of undocumented foreign uh, workers. Uh, for our conversation this time, we're joined by Shanila Mohammed, who's the executive director at uh, Amnesty International, Professor Roth Rothney uh, Chaka, who's the director at the School of Humanity at uh, the University of South Africa, also known as UNISA. As well, of course, uh, with us is uh, Naledi Shange, who's a senior Sunday Times uh, journalist who has been following the Operation Tudula protests with uh, with keen interest uh, as part of her of her job. With immediate effect. When people saw and I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Order, Jefferson. Point of order, ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The AFP president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Uh, well, welcome to all of you. Let us start with with you, Shanila. You know, b- b- you know, mainly from the, your vantage point. You know, and, and you know, as as operating from from Amnesty International, which operates in many different countries. Um, the, when conditions, when, when tensions such as we are seeing now between local people and and foreigners, in, in particular here, we have to say, you know, African. Uh, migrants. Uh, when, when conflict like that arises, what usual, what conditions usually gave rise to it? Well, um, I think it's really important to look at the root causes. I mean, what is it that is resulting in this violent activity and rights violations? Now, in South Africa, there are a number of different factors. One is that we have the majority of people in this country live in poor and impoverished uh, conditions. The second is the government uh, is the government's inability to process genuine asylum seekers and refugees. And, you know, we we have seen that, you know, uh, they've been, the, the whole process is broken. We did a report in 2019 where we documented uh, the fact that refugees and asylum seekers in this country cannot get the, the protection and the, the right that that they're entitled to under international law and under the constitution of of South Africa. And then finally, it's really the the impunity with which many of these vigilante groups operate and the fact that nobody has really been brought to account uh, for the violence that is perpetrated against uh, foreign nationals in this country. So there's a number of factors uh, that actually result in what we see at the end, which is a violent um, uh, protest action that takes place or violent clashes between nationals and foreigners. Now, Lady, I'd like for you to come in here because you have first-hand 
uh, interacted, uh, you, you know, with, with the Operation Tutula people. You've seen them in action and you would have had the opportunity to observe what happens, you know, in, in those communities, what kind of communities they operate in, because obviously they, they don't, they don't, in the main, they operate in the townships and, and in, in the kind of like inner city kind of uh, places, you know, the rundown suburbs, etc. Um, the, the, when you, 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 let, let us start with when you went out uh, and, and you went in inverted commas on a tour with, uh, with, 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 with the Operation Tutula people. Uh, what, what did they say was driving them? Okay, um, Dr. Saluma, I went out with um, a, a movement called the Tutula Movement. They are separate from Operation Tutula. Mm-hmm. Operation Tutula is operating in the Soweto and Johannesburg area, but now we've seen a divide between the two groups. The Tutula Movement is more focused on the Alex and um, East Rand areas. So um, I joined um, the leader of the Tutula Movement on a drive about in the Alex area where they pointed out to me that um, they are forced to share services um, with uh, foreign nationals. They were um, pointing out things such as RDP houses and um, flats, which they say were built by government, which have been occupied by foreign nationals. So besides taking over stalls and and and, and the likes and, and retail outlets, they've complained about housing issues. And um, um, when I spoke to the uh, Dudula movement leader, um, he had uh, told me about how they've been going around um, evicting foreign nationals from these RTP houses and taking away these foreign these houses from South African nationals even who rent these out or sell these to foreign nationals saying that they believe these things should be um solely for for um South African nationals. Mm-hmm. And what 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 when 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 they do do that, you know, when when they evict people or whatever it is that they are doing, that intervention, uh, is is it is it is it by negotiation? Is it by force? Is it how how do they do it? Do they just talk to people nicely, or do they threaten them, or do they? What I was told by the uh, Dudula movement leader was that they usually give the foreign nationals a week's notice, and if they fail to evict, um, to remove themselves from the houses, they 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 perform forceful evictions. Um, it, it's happened quite a few times. Um, just two weeks ago, they had evicted a Swaziland national who had actually extended an RTP house in Alexandra, and uh, they were telling me that uh, this house would actually be given to uh, a person in Alex who they felt was more deserving of this property. But they do say that they do not work with violence, which is why they do start off with having conversations with foreign nationals, but these have, according to them, been fruitless up until now. Mm. And when when you were going around, you know, just observing, what 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 was happening in the community? I mean, is 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 this something that the whole community is taken up with, or is this a fringe group? In in your I, I believe that the community is actually divided by this because I did even speak to a couple of uh, vendors who said um, that they were not for what the Operation Tujula movement was all about. These are local vendors. These are local vendors who are saying, um, we've operated with these people for over a decade. We're used to them and we we believe there's more than enough to go around. But um, the Operation Tujula or Tujula movement rather, um, they've been saying that with job scarcity um, being a real uh, matter and the youth and so much of the youth being unemployed, it's time to take back these stores and they're saying there's no room to share. Um, when I was in Alex uh, last week, what I noticed was that a lot of the foreign nationals had um, resorted to abandoning their stalls out of uh, fear that uh, the attacks against them would become more violent. Uh, uh, Professor Chuck, uh, they, 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 just listening uh, so far to, uh, to, you know, to our, our, our conversation, um, 
the, the do you do you think that uh, the, the, the there is a message here that perhaps government is not hearing or that it is hearing but ignoring because it looks like government is missing in action in all of this no no most definitely i think there is there is clear messages in this uh, and and it's unfortunate that that we tend to sometimes only re- react to one aspect of this so when i wrote, wrote a little uh, piece on this in 2016 <laughs> I, I i was I'm, I'm thinking of a guy who responded by saying hey, the professor should just go ahead and, and read his books and leave communities out of this because there's a tendency sometimes not to to see history uh, repeating itself in these kinds of situations. Now, the 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 w- one of the guys who wrote on issues of decoloniality, for instance, sp- speak of the fact that that what we have in this country is basically the results of a nervous condition that the masses are having. Uh, the, the 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 1994 project did not translate. Uh, into the promises that many people, you know, thought it would translate into, uh, and, and and also if you look at the kinds of jobs that are claimed that these foreigners come and take over, it is really the jobs that that the the most or the majority uh, tend to compete with, and so it gives you a sense really uh, of the fact that that the masses have not benefited from from these uh, promises that a new dispensation was going to bring about. So if we just take some time um, and read some of the history and read some of these key documents that it, at one point spoke about the zones of being and zones of non-being, as Franz Fanon would say, you would understand that it becomes natural uh, for people to want to maintain their space and, and to sort of try and keep everyone out of that. Unfortunately, South Africa is seen now as that country uh, with secured structures, if you were to use that. And so people coming here are seen, not only people, but black people coming here uh, are seen to to come and and vie for the scant resources that are here. And yet when you have some Europeans coming from other parts of, of, of of, of, of the world, they are not seen as essentially coming to compete with this kind of resources because they are not going to the black townships, essentially, uh, you see. So the issues, once again, of, of whether this is xenophobia, as we have raised in the in the past, is be, becomes questionable because it seems that this African other is a targeted one. Now, I think we need to have a balanced uh, conversation on this one. So there is an issue of saying Afrophobia and, and speak, speaking about the unity with the continent, but there's also the issues that the Dugla people are raising, that some of the crimes that are, that are committed seem to be coming from mostly foreign people. And so we just need to have a balanced view of that because we do understand that for crime to happen, it also needs to be funded. Uh, the crime does not just happen. You need to have some people who are able to, uh, you know, to sort of have the seat money for what, what crimes they want to do ultimately. So it's not uh, it's not true to think that it's only petty crime that just happened haphazardly, uh, but that, that there's no in, you know uh, strategic crimes that are happening in this country and as a result of, of monies that are also put into that. A, a, a troubling aspect, of course, of, of, of all of this. And and and, uh, and uh, um Shanila did, did allude to it. Uh, the, the issue of the of of the ability of government to do what governments uh, ordinarily and no, normally do, including you know uh, uh, providing services, uh, but also you know maintaining law, the maintenance of 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 law and order, 
you know. I, I, I just want to ask, uh, because now I, I saw, you know, earlier in the week, you know, that there was, you know, that, that there was talk of uh, foreign nationals organizing themselves and they're going to march against the other Dula people and all of that, you know, which all, all of which uh, holds a huge potential for violence, you know. Uh, but but I, I wanted to, 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 to ask you, Naledi, when you you were out in, in Alex, for example, did you see police there making any any visible presence or, 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 or intervention at all? Um, when I was there last week, there was a huge police presence. There was a heavy police presence in the area. And we did see police even um, carrying out some arrests of foreign nationals after checking the documentation. We saw immigration also descending there in home affairs. But what the Dudula movement people are saying is that government is being reactive instead of proactive. And um, some of the things that they've said is that their grievances have been um, laid to government for, for a long time from immigration, from housing, for all of these issues that they've had have reached a boiling point now and it it, it was it, last week seeing um, a large police presence um, there did have an effect but it, it felt like it was a little bit too late because it is actually quite boiling already in the area. Mm, mm. Mm. Hey, hey, Prof, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, a, a lot of, because of our history, you know, and, and, and our constitution and our, and, and our, what are supposed to be our national values, you know, you know, most South Africans would, would, uh, would, uh, would, would not be supportive of, of, of xenophobic activities, etc. Um, the, the, but, but then what, what seems to happen is that, if anything uh, or, or any instances where people are raising issues on the ground, uh, they, we very quickly label them as xenophobic, or almost like we don't want to hear their, their complaints. You know, am, am I reading the situation correctly? Well, you are reading it correctly, but I think the word xenophobic is problematic in that it does not define the kind of target. You know, because when we speak of these kinds of of, of uh, you know the eruption of this violence, which started basically in two thousand and eight, you understand that these are these are some blacks not of the Limpopo River, you know, who come from that the people from Zimbabwe, Zambia, and stuff like that. They, they seem to be the the primary target, and not necessarily people who are from uh, Romania and stuff like that. So, so I sometimes say we need to use proper uh, nomenclature so that we're able to uh, properly define these things, and therefore look for the particular action towards that. Another problem that we are faced with in this country is, is what I speak, said earlier, that the promise is not realized. Uh, we are not that rainbow nation that we at one point thought we were. I mean, even, even notions about rainbow nations today are not as prominent as they were back in the days, because it's more a question of hustling. And, and, and many people, the majority feel, you know, how is it that people can come here and they have some, some direction and yet we don't have that. And so it speaks to the fact that the government has not done enough to address some of these issues. It speaks about leadership in terms of porous borders, for instance, but this has to be balanced because we need to have a conversation with regard to how do we speak of, of, of the unity of, of Africans? Because, you know, when, when we were uh, busy in in exile, you know, they were the South Africans were called in uh, in Kenya as umkimbizi. There has always been a tendency uh, to sort of describe the other so that you feel justified to treat the other in the way that you feel justified. The 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 
The, the, the other aspect, of course, that, that, that I wanted to raise uh, with, with you, Shanila, is that, again, from your vantage point at Amnesty International, uh, the, 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 this uh, uh, situation that we are seeing uh, of, of a, a fight over resources, you know, between locals and people who are coming from outside, it's, it's not unique to South Africa, is it? Well, Mike, you know, I think, first of all, I just wanted to uh, just uh, uh, add something before I, I answer your question. I mean, first of all, I think that, you know, a lot of steep, sweeping statements get made, uh, you know, like, for example, that foreigners are responsible for major crime, etc. But Amnesty is an evidence-based organization. And, you know, we, we, we are very careful about uh, gathering our evidence. And I think it's really important, even for media houses, actually, uh, to not take those statements as fact and to actually go in and, and check whether this is actually true or not, because I feel like somehow we perpetuate some of these, um, you know, uh, uh, things that are put out there to justify the violence. But secondly, I think that we also need to talk about the way in which politicians have instrumentalized the poor. The fact that, you know, yes, as the professor has said, the rainbow um, sort of nation has not happened. You know, the fact that people are living in abject poverty, the fact that they are scrambling for meager resources and having to share them with foreigners is definitely a fact. But the bottom line is that the state has failed. The state has failed not only the people of South Africa, but also those asylum seekers and genuine refugees who have come into the country seeking refuge from absolutely horrendous situations. So I feel like, you know, the, the, the whole situation and the fault of what is going on lies at the doorstep of the state. And the fact that the state is absent from these, I mean, it's fine for them to go around checking papers, but the reality is that the, the asylum system is broken. Home affairs is not doing what they're supposed to do. And if you're a genuine asylum seeker, you cannot get access to the papers that, that you have the right to under international law. So, you know, these it makes foreigners vulnerable to being abused, to being violated, and to being killed and murdered. We saw what happened in 2008. Women were murdered, children were murdered during that time, and South Africans died during that time. So I think that, you know, it's really important for, for all of us who are involved in, you know, either reporting on refugees and, and, and the xenophobia, but also those, uh, you know, that are um, uh, sort of politicians, not to uh, exacerbate the situation and not to, you know, allow uh, the violence to continue. But also we've seen a lot of impunity. We have seen that people who go around violating the rights of foreigners in this country are not being uh, tackled and they use the excuse of meager resources, but actually they are committing a crime. It is a crime to do what they are doing. It is a crime to forcibly evict people from homes. It is a crime to kill people. It is a crime to, to set things on fire. It's a crime to violate people's rights. In answer to your question, Mike, I mean, yes, Yes, it is not uh, unusual to South Africa to have these clashes between locals and um, and foreign nationals. But I think what is unusual is the level of violence that exists in this country. And also, we have to remember that in other countries, uh, foreigners and refugees and asylum seekers are put into camps, whereas in South Africa, they are allowed to go. And, we, and exactly as the professor said, where do they go? They go to where the poorest people reside. And... and and that's where the clashes start. 
So, you know, I think it's not unusual, but what is unusual is the level of violence that we see perpetrated against foreigners. Mm. Uh, Prof, the, 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 uh, Shanila is mentioning the, the issue of, uh, she's touching on how other countries, uh, you know, would have dealt with, you know, the, the in, in influx of people from outside. Um, the, the, and you, 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 you alluded to, you know, to South Africans being in exile, etc. You know, my, my understanding is that a lot of them were actually in, in you know, housed in camps, etc. Et now, the, the approach that the South African government has taken, which which Shanila has just uh, alluded to again yes. uh, just now, you know, in terms of just leaving people who are destitute to go into poorer communities and just compete uh, in an unrestricted way. Is, is that the correct approach? Because it looks like government has washed its hands, basically, of, of, the, of the issue of what should happen with migrants. You know, Mike, I, I don't know why why this government cannot, you know, get together and, and say, listen, this approach is not working. Can we devise something that is going to work? It almost seems like this thing, you know, is now it's it's it's, uh, it's cast in stone and nothing can be done with that. And it only f- it reflects the lack of leadership that, that we have in this country in many sectors, not only not only in terms of government, but also in, in other in, in other aspects. You know, there's there's lack of that. So so my point is, if if we, we get to a point where an approach is not working, what is preventing us from saying, let us find and learn from from other approaches who started with this and then evolved in some, into something that, that functioned for them? So, so I don't understand why we don't do it. I, and I, I do want to come back to what Shanila said. I think it is very true that sometimes we will find ourselves having to respond to reckless statements that are made with regard to, the, with regard to crime. And I just want to say that, <clears throat> that, that it, is, it is, you know, that has to be based on fact. If you're going to say uh, that if the foreigners does this, and and I do hope that we could we could sometimes see uh, this fact so that people can then affect them into the, day, the daily uh, engagements with this with this kind of, of of struggle. Now, in 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 the in the poorest communities, this is basically where these kinds of conversations are not tolerated, you know, because it is an emotional thing because it affects the people right there. So, so we need to find ways of speaking to them in ways that we also communicate and educate, but also learn from them because there are also communities that have actually transcended some of this violence. I was I was involved um, uh, two years ago in a project called Peace Building, which was meant to facilitate uh, conversations in townships between foreigners uh, and Black South Africans. And we had four such communities, but we also had one in Temba, where, where you know, South Africans and, and Black Africans have actually found ways of working together towards making sure that, that their communities are safe. So, so that there are ways that we can we can learn from these things, but we don't see much of the stories uh, in the media, and so it be, don't become part of the things that we think we can learn from. Yeah, Shang, the, the, when you were in 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 Alex while all of this was happening did you get a sense that there was a the involvement of local leaders or local politicians you know i i know that some time back you know i think in, in the in a couple of weeks ago uh, julius malema for example or the eff went went to some of the shops in waterfall mall you know counting how many foreigners were there and you know all, all of that you know uh but in alex itself where the the violence and the tension is happening uh, did you get a sense that there was any kind of local 
political or other leadership? Um, what the leader of the Tutula movement said was that they were trying to shy away from all things politics. First, they um, separated themselves from Operation Tutula, which we know um, erupted in Soweto, which has links to the ANC and MK veterans. Um, the Tutula movement, which is operating in in um, Alex, is multi-party in a sense that uh, there are some uh, people um, who are affiliated to the movement who belong to Action SA. There are some who belong to the EFF. So they they're bringing to um, this movement, I can say, um, perhaps values and principles that are brought through from their own political parties. But th- at the forefront of it all, they're trying to keep it um, non-political. Professor mm. Chaka, mm. just before we conclude, to look at possible options or solutions to this. Uh, recently, uh, government uh, published uh, for public comment uh, regulations uh, to reserve certain employment and business opportunities for South Africans. Do do you think that government is leading via policy making or it's being led by populist sentiment? No, I think it's led by populist sentiment because you see it depends. Uh, again, you will you will get a sense that this thing will will be applicable only in certain sectors. There are, there are a number of of Zimbabweans in this country that are here on on special skills. That that's that's that we are we are not saying how much are they doing so that they can transfer the skills uh, to South Africans. You see? So it needs to be a solution that is going to be working. It can't just be something that is based on sentiment. So so what, what is the long-term use of this? Who are the communities that are targeted? So I simply say that, that, that there are solutions in this if government would respond to the things that are burning this country, if service delivery becomes something that they respond to, and instead of responding only when, when, when there are fires, then perhaps we can in a calm way look at how we implement these things so that uh, South Africans benefit as well uh, in the process. And Shanina, uh, the, the last word will go to you on this. Uh, if you were to identify three quick wins, say, for argument's sake, that, that government, that you would recommend a uh, government do uh, to bring the situation under control, what would those be? Well, Mike, I think the first thing they need to do is fix their asylum uh, system so that, you know, those that are genuine asylum seekers and refugees and not economic migrants, because all of them are mixed together at the moment, are given the protections that they are entitled to uh, under international law and local law. And uh, you will have the right documentation and therefore won't be vulnerable uh, to attacks. The second thing I think that they need to do is, uh, is really get rid of corruption and ensure that people are getting the services that they that they are entitled to under the law. It's a basic human right to have water, to have housing, to have food, to have all these things. And the government is failing dismally uh, in providing South Africans with their basic human rights. And it was very interesting for us. We ran a campaign during um, uh, COVID where we uh, looked at water issues. And it was interesting that South Af- many South Africans thought that water was a privilege but actually it's a human right and many South Africans don't have that right and then finally I think it's the whole issue of impunity Uh, you know when people do commit crimes whether it's a foreign national or whether it is a South African they need to be brought uh, to justice and I feel like you know, allowing vigilante groups to go un, uh, you know, uh, to go around using um, the whole issue of poverty uh, as an excuse to violate people's rights is not a good sign for any society. And it's not 
going to build a healthy society. So there has to be, uh, you know, uh, that has to be dealt with. And people who violate the law need to be held to account no matter who they are. And I think those would be my three uh, Uh, recommendations in order to try to bring some order to what is a really rapidly becoming an out-of-control situation. Well, that's where we wrap up our episode for this week on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly. And I'd like to thank our guest uh, in in the conversation, uh, Shanila Mohammed, who's the Executive Director, Amnesty International, Professor Rothney Chaka, Director, School of Humanity at uh, UNISA, as well, uh, of course, as uh, Naledi Shange, who is a senior Sunday Times journalist, uh, who has been following the Operation Tudula protests with keen interest. Uh, we appreciate your time. And by the way, for a podcast of uh, this conversation, you can go to iono.fm to Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you prefer to source your podcasts. I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, remember, stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. Mm-hmm.